All right, everybody, welcome back to the Kilo Train Podcast. This is episode number 23. We got our first Kilo Trained athlete remote client on the podcast today, Brandon Hornback. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Pleasure to be here. Deeds, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we're just going to peel back the layers of Mr. Hornback here and uh, start with his upbringing and family life. So Brandon, tell us a little bit about who you are. All right. Um, so I was born and raised in Marion, Iowa, currently living in Cedar Rapids. So just uh, skipping a jump away from Iowa City here. But um, I grew up with two half-sisters and um, parents were divorced. So don't uh, see my sisters a whole lot. So basically it feels more like almost like an only child. But um you know, like as a kid, lived in Marion, then moved uh, Cedar Rapids after I graduated from college and have been stationed there for the foreseeable future now. So, All right. um, so did you live mostly with your mom or dad or? Yeah, I live mostly with mom. Um, see my dad every once in a while, but he drives uh, like truck and he's all over the country. And so it's a lot harder to spend time with him. But my mom lives in Marion still. So I get to see her usually like once a week or so. And actually... She's retired now, so she tries to come over to my house and like clean it and stuff when I'm not home because she's really, really bored. So I, I catch her every once in a while when I come home for lunch after work or something like that. So that's nice. Yeah, no it's, 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 I mean, yeah, I don't complain. It's a good perk there. Uh, did you ever get to go on any road trips with your dad? Does he drive a semi? Yeah, he does. He does. Um, I've never gone with him for work stuff. I mean, we've gone on like road trips before, but no, nah, he solos the truck. But I do remember as a little kid, like being in a parade and like one of the boom trucks that he he did like drywall there at the time. And so that was kind of cool. St. Patrick's Day parade. But no, for the most part, he's he's on his own. Neat. Um, so growing up, uh, did you have an athletic background? Did you play any sports? Yeah, a lot of sports. Um, definitely more of a sports than an art kind of guy. So I played football, tennis were my main two. I mean, as a little kid, you know, you play like everything, like soccer, baseball, whatever. But as I got older, um, stuck with football and then no winter sports and then tennis in the spring. Okay, cool. How, uh, how long did you play football? All through high school? Yeah, yeah. Up until college, dropped football and just stuck with tennis in college. But yeah, I actually, I think I got into football before I even played tennis. I always played, like, throwing the ball around with my dad and stuff when I was a little kid and um, watched the Packers. So that was a lot of fun, but... What position did you play? Uh, fullback, middle linebacker for the most part. Um, one year in high school, I played O-line. I was a guard because <laughs> they didn't have anyone else. And I weighed, like, 160 pounds. And they're like, all right, Hornback, you're playing right guard. <laughs> He's like, we need someone, so... I just try to push everyone sideways because I was about half the size of most of the other linemen. But I, I beefed up by my junior, senior year in the weight room and uh, went back to fullback, middle linebacker, and special teams and stuff. So my cool. weight would uh, fluctuate quite a bit from tennis season to football season. We'd cut and then back up and down. So I bet it did. Did you guys do any Olympic lifting when you were in high school? Or was it like back squat, deadlift, um, that type of thing? I'd say our weight program was a little behind uh, in high school for sure. I think ours was too. Uh, I did have I did have one coach who was pretty knowledgeable about the weight room, and he wasn't the head coach though, but he would kind of like slip some stuff to some of us that were more interested in the weight room side of things. And so we we did some cleans and snatches and stuff, but I think the uh, primary focus of our head coach was how much you could bench, um, and that was about it. So you are a good bench presser. 
I'm okay. I'm okay. I actually, I think my pressing is a little behind just because I, when I was playing tennis in college, I just didn't do a lot of upper body stuff. Um, like my shoulders were always shot from serving all day and stuff. But uh, I'm trying to trying to catch back up to the lower body. Cool. So you got a football and tennis background primarily. Um, so as you're moving along through high school, did you play a lot of junior tournaments in tennis then throughout your summers? Um, I was a bit of a late bloomer in that I didn't take tennis lessons growing up. Um, like I said, divorced parents, we didn't have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So tennis is a pretty expensive sport to be in. So I just kind of taught myself how to play and I got into tournament play like my senior year of high school. Um, so I'd go in the summers and like just travel around local Iowa stuff and play some tournaments. But yeah, I was a bit behind the curve and then I really took off in college and you're playing like a ton of matches in college. And then in the summers you play with your teammates and stuff. And I still, every once in a while, will sign up for a local tournament just kind of for fun and and go try to wipe the floor with anyone around here. <laughs> right on. Oh, yeah, uh, we're setting you and calling up to play a little tennis match. I'm here for it. I'm yes. here for it. Yeah, the Kings, right. too. If the Kings listen in, I know they get, they hit the ball around every once in a while. Yes. Um, yeah, so growing up, I uh, golfing and whatnot is another club sport. Um, another one of those sports that's on the, on the more expensive side and not uh, the most accessible for a lot of kids. Um, but explain where, how is, like when I think of tennis, I think, okay, you need a, a racket and a court, which courts you can find pretty much anywhere. It's not like you have to pay to get on like a golf course. So what, uh, how does um, the, expen- do the expenses come yeah, from? Yeah, where do the expenses come from in tennis? Yeah, I mean, if you just wanted to go get a racket at Walmart and some balls and go find a public court, that's really cheap. But most people will find out very quickly that hitting the tennis ball on the court is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to be good at it, like that's where the expenses come into play. Like a lesson's expensive, going to clinics are expensive. But the real problem is living in Iowa, you play outdoor tennis for like four months and Mm -hmm. you play indoor tennis the rest of the year. And that's really where the cost comes. So, you know, paying for a membership and then paying to use the courts and those costs add up quick. And especially here, well, here in Cedar Rapids where I live, we've got two country clubs and a tennis club. And so country club memberships are obviously really, really expensive. And then the tennis club's not as bad, but even that for like, if you're a low income family, it's kind of hard to, to make that happen with your kids. So you you miss out on a lot of kids um, that maybe could be good just because they don't have the resources to be playing year round. Where like if I live in Arizona or somewhere like that, I can just go outside and play. So um, I think it depends a little bit on the demographic, like where you live. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it's just getting that instruction is is really what's hard. So did you, at what point in high school did you know you'd want to play um, tennis in college? Or was it just kind of like a, yeah, I guess I'll do it type thing? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always been pretty competitive, and I just have loved the sport of tennis. Uh, like, I started playing in third grade, and I'd moved from Hiawatha to Marion in third grade. And, like, the first friend I made also liked to play tennis, and my mom and I would play. So we would all go up to the tennis courts and um, I was friends with him all through high school and we would just go play like four hours a day at tennis. And so I just, I kind of always knew I wanted to keep playing and it's kind of sound kind of dumb. But when I got to high school, they had these pictures on the wall of like, like state qualifying athletes. And I was like, I'm getting my picture on the wall. Like that's my goal. Right. So, um, I just really worked at tennis and, uh, ended up state runner up in doubles my senior year. So got my picture secured on the wall <laughs> awesome. and, uh, and then they, uh, 
they actually ended up taking them down a couple of years ago, but my friend's mom oh. works at the school, so she got mine and gave it to me, okay. which was nice. Is it up in the them? house now? Yeah, it's up in the house now. <laughs> yeah, they just get, like, just either, either gave them back or just got rid of them. So they but, turned the, the trophy room into something else? Yeah, they re- revamped the school, and so oh they, they got rid of it, which was a shame. So it, it had a short career up on the wall, but... Uh, yeah, so I knew I wanted to keep playing tennis, and uh, I wasn't, like, recruited by anyone because, I mean, like I said, I wasn't, like, playing a lot of tournaments or anything as a junior. Just had a good uh, good record in the state, but ended up uh, having a friend who was a substitute teacher. Um, he took me to Wartburg College because he went to Wartburg and showed me the place and was like, you should play, you know, college tennis here, and ended up uh, doing that and worked out really well for me in my, my tennis career, so. Cool. Um, so did you play all four years at Warburg? Yeah. Yeah. I jumped in as a freshman. I played, uh, number four singles on varsity as my freshman year and then number two and then number one the last two years. So, awesome. um, yeah, you could, if you couldn't find me somewhere on campus, I was probably playing tennis like all day. Is the, uh, how does the season work for college tennis? Do you play in the spring in the fall or kind of all year long? There's, there's two different ones. So for the men, there's a mini season in the fall. So you play like, uh, an ITA regional tournament and there's like two, three weeks of, of practice. And, uh, and then you take a break until about mid January and that's when it really picks up. Then you practice for about a month and then you get into like your conference season and you're playing against, you know, all the, whatever conference year and all those schools. And then you have the conference tournament in the spring. And so it ends up being close to year round. And I mean like the team's practicing even outside of the, that practice time, but the main season for the guys is January through, uh, through May. Did the uh, Warburg program have a, a nice indoor facility for you to stay in shape during those winter months? Yeah, that's kind of one of the separators for Wartburg and some of the, I mean, it's a D3 school and the conference isn't like the best in the nation by any means, but uh, one thing that separates the top schools in our conference is having access to indoor courts and like Co College, which is, I work there now, um, they've got a really nice dedicated only to tennis indoor facility, which kind of helps their program separate from other schools where Wartburg has a multi-court like surface. So it's, you know, volleyball, basketball, tennis. Mm. And so you're competing for time with all the other sports through the season. So, you know, I would practice like as, with the team, sometimes we practice like 10 to midnight and then the next morning, 5 to 7 a.m. So you just like but might as well sleep in the in the tennis courts and then you know just be there for the morning but um so our practice time sucked because the uh better programs got better time so like track being like national champions every year you know it gets three to six p.m where we're like 5 a.m or midnight all the time so just had to deal with that um and just find time when you could but it was nice having the opportunity because some schools don't even have indoor courts so cool what uh so you got to play number one on varsity your last two years you said did you get to compete, um, like at the championship level, uh, like or like? Did they have like uh, an end of the season tournament that you tried to qualify for? Yeah, you can um, qualify for nationals. Um, I never qualified for nationals. Uh, most years, I mean, our team would finish second, third in the conference, uh, so we were competitive, but we weren't, you know, dominating anyone and going to nationals. And then individually. There, it's kind of tennis is weird. It'll work with like a team tournament and an individual tournament. Sure. And so the rest of my team could lose, but if I beat everyone, I could qualify for nationals. But um, I never made it that far. I think you have to win the conference tournament to uh, automatically qualify. I'm not even sure how many rounds I made it through. Like maybe quarter semis would be like the furthest I made it through. So no nationals for me, but a good run. 
Do you know how many move on to the national championships? Um, total, no, not off the top of my head. I know just one per conference, okay. so yeah, it's not a huge pool. Right. But... Pretty tough to get to, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Oh, uh, well, cool. So you had a good tennis career at Warburg, and and then uh, when did you discover CrossFit? Um, I've been doing CrossFit for a long time. Actually, we were doing CrossFit before we knew it was CrossFit. Uh, I started about 10 years ago, either my sophomore or junior year of high school, uh, friend of mine, Brian Kinney, who's a coach now up in uh, Cedar Rapids, we I remember we came to school one day and I think maybe we saw it on the internet or something back in the, back in the day. And we're like, dude, do you see that, that thing these guys working out? I'm like, that looks kind of cool. <laughs> I'm like, we should try that out. And so I think the first workout we ever did was some hero workouts. We're just Googling like CrossFit stuff. It took me like 59 minutes to do it. And I, I couldn't even hold onto the pull bar. I had to use straps because my arms were just ruined. And Sounds like Murph. Yeah, did you do Murph? It wasn't. No, it wasn't Murph. Oh. I don't remember what it was. It was. A, it was a bunch of weird stuff. I, I'll have to try to find it, but it was pretty terrible. And we just loved it after that. I'm like, man, that was awful. Let's do some more of that. So we just kind of make up our own workouts sometimes and like pull stuff off the internet, but nothing real uh, concrete for a long time in my CrossFit career. But yeah, starting in high school, we would just do that and. And love that stuff. So all the other like football guys would watch us and be like, "What are you guys doing?" We're like, just leave us alone. Go bench press. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do our thing over here. So did you continue that through college as well? Yeah, yeah. And by then, you know, like the sport had evolved and it was much more accessible. And uh, at that time, like Brian was going to uh, a CrossFit two point two, and so I was stealing some of their programming from him and, and doing some of that. But um, I couldn't afford to go to a gym, so. I had some stuff like in my garage and I would just kind of do it like you did at the weight room of the high school or in my garage. And then in college, I would do it in our um, like public weight room facility, which wasn't really the best CrossFit setup, but. Because they had the W when you were at yeah, Harvard, right? Yeah. Okay. Really, really nice weight room, but. Uh, Definitely not CrossFit. Not CrossFit friendly. style, no. And so not a lot of open racks or bumper plates or things like that. There's like a rower and stuff, but uh, through tennis season, I would try to get in some CrossFit when I could, um, but mainly focusing on tennis in college so just doing that to stay active but I just love doing it and I I picked it up because I like to do it not because I wanted to compete in it or anything but um, my coach would actually yell at me and tell me I needed to do less because he was worried I was going to get injured he's like you're always in the gym like you got to get out of the gym if I, and he, I remember one day like sneaking into the track and I had like I was doing like double unders and some running and something and he saw me and like brought me into his office and had a talking to me <laughs> like I was I was like literally going to get kicked off the team for like working too hard so uh, I had to deal with that in college but yeah I just stuck to the courts for the most part but always kept it in the back pocket yeah I think that's where Luke actually Mm-hmm. Started doing CrossFit too as uh, at the W, and mm-hmm. he was on the football team. And then I think that's when he was like, "All right, I want to do more of this and less of football." And that's when he transferred to to UNI. I think after his freshman year. So. I, yeah, I think I missed him by one year, which makes me wonder if my CrossFit career would have been a little different if I had met Luke at Wartburg and saw him doing CrossFit. Maybe I would have played a little less tennis and done that. Could have been. Could have been. Um, all right. Awesome. So, uh, when, uh, did you start training at a, an affiliate? Um, I guess like in the summers when I would come back from college, I would go to 2.2 and, uh, again, like kind of dropping in with Brian cause he was coaching there. And so I'd kind of sneak in and like, no one would ask who I was or if I was paying for anything <laughs> and just get some workouts with him when I could. And, or he'd come over to my garage and we would do stuff there. Um, but yeah, in the summers I get in there, and then 
as they started to get to know me, you know, I was like, hey, I want to be an actual like member here and do this regularly, which was more like when I graduated from college and was back home uh, full time in Cedar Rapids. So started going to 2.2 then and I coach a little bit so I didn't have to pay my membership and we would kind of trade work hours for that and um, started going there and but even even then like the programming I guess I wasn't as consistent with until um, I joined the kilo train group and then I was like you know once there was a leaderboard I was like well now I gotta do I gotta I gotta really go hard now you know <laughs> so um, did you to become competitive when you found kilo trained athlete or did you start to discover more of the sport of CrossFit before then? I mean, I, I've, I've probably watched every YouTube video that's ever been on for CrossFit, like all the game stuff, all like everything. Like, um, we, we were into it so early and I, and I like the competition side of it, but, um, I think I was trying to compete a little more when like regionals were a thing and it felt more accessible to like get to the next level. And then when they got rid of regionals and it went to the former, I was like, okay, you're going to need to go to like Dubai and Miami or somewhere. I was like, I'm poor. I can't afford to be like traveling and try to compete in CrossFit. So yeah, the I, sanctional season sucked. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. So I kind of got out of the whole competition side and was maybe doing a little less of it. Um, and like at the time I'm still like trying to compete in tennis and like and coach and take that career off. So it's hard to balance that time. And I think I stopped doing as much CrossFit and was focusing more on my tennis career um, and then when they kept changing the format, you know, and it's bounced around every year and I was like, oh, this seems a lot more accessible all of a sudden again. And I remember doing the open and I was like, oh man, I placed like pretty high in the open. I was like, that's cool. Maybe I should like try to compete again at this. And that's when, uh, Dalton told me about kilo train and stuff. And he's like, Hey, you should check this out. There's some pretty good guys in here. This might, you know, might be good for you. And it was kind of the perfect storm of, Hey, I think I can maybe compete, and that's accessible, and there's good guys to train and a good program. So, so did you join Kilo Trained? Was this open in 2022 the first time you were on the dock, or were you on it back in 2021 also? Oh, I don't remember. You're definitely on it in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember exactly when I joined, but I think it's been two. Okay. Yeah, you've yeah. been on there. You were on there longer than us, actually. Yeah, I was like, um, I know I haven't been on there because when we when we joined onto the Kilo Trained athlete, uh, Sugar Wad stuff. Brandon was already on there, and, and we kind of all came on yeah. after that happened. Okay. That was like OGs, like you and the Kings, and mm-hmm. Micah. Were, oh, yeah, it was always me and down. Micah just <laughs> commenting on each other's stuff on there. <laughs> right. So, very cool. Um, so you, at that time, were you coaching tennis full-time as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. So what, because I feel like I remember you telling us during, like, semifinal training that you would, like, work out at, like, 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, my work schedule is just ridiculous. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I've been. I mean, I've been a full time tennis professional for about five, five and a half years now, and uh, as you guys in the coaching industry know, sometimes that's weird hours. So for me, I bounced around from a, different, a few different clubs, but out of college, I I worked at a club for three years. Um, Derecho destroyed it. Ended up coming down to Iowa City and working at the U of I for a year, and now I'm the head pro of the Cedar Rapids Country Club, but. With that job, I mean, I'm sometimes working like 50 hours a week on, on the tennis court, plus like what you're doing outside of that. So, and the hours there are, you know, at nighttime, weekends, sometimes early morning. And so I try to train whenever I can. And sometimes that's like, okay, I'm in the gym, it's midnight. Or like, I'll sneak in for an hour during lunch, or I'm going at like three in the morning because I've got to be at work at like six. And 
if you're doing everything on the on the plane, it takes a good chunk of time. And uh, I've learned that in my old age that if I don't warm up for a good amount, injuries pile up and things start mm-hmm. to hurt. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I try to get on a routine in the winter. My hours are a little better where I can usually train from like 12 to 3 in the afternoon and then I'll work like in the mornings and then work late at night. But um, summers are wild, uh, which does not bode well for that season of CrossFit. And mm-hmm. fall and spring aren't that much better either. So. <laughs> We're going to try to figure that out this year. We're going to find you some balance this season. So uh, the 2021 season, uh, rewinding a little bit to when you saw that CrossFit season was a little bit more accessible, uh, you qualified to quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And then I remember you were, like the first night you ran into a little block wall with the front squat. A big wall. So we had... had, (laughs) A, we had to max out the front squat, but we had to do a four rep max. And uh, do you remember what you hit for that? Yeah, I remember. I remember I was feeling really good, so I was like, "Yes, front squat." I think I had just front squatted recently, like 190 really? kilos or something like that. Like I had a, I was like, "This is great! I'm gonna hit a big front squat." And I was only like at 160, I think, like still taking jumps up to where I was gonna go. And I, I hit the bottom of my second rep, heard my knee click. And knew immediately that I had torn my quad tendon because I'd done the same thing in my other knee a year before. So I hit my next two reps, so I get a score, and then I racked the weight. And everyone was like, "Everyone was like, all right, what are we putting on next?" You know, because I had a little crowd there, and I sat down and I kind of felt my knee, and I was like, "Yep, that's really bad." And I went over to one of the guys and went, "Take the weight off." And they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm done. I just tore my quad tendon." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it popped." So. So did you finish? Didn't you do some other workouts? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did the next workout okay. after, too. But because, I mean, you know how it is. Adrenaline's like, <laughs> pumping. Yeah, and, and you want... not that bad. You can fight through a type. And, yeah, and you want to get a score and see mm-hmm. what you can do. And that was also my first time qualifying for quarterfinals, I think. Yeah. Well, that was the first year quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah right. So, but, but just really so, doing anything in, in the open. Just so people know, you... Okay, so you had maxed out your front squat. You said 190, just so our listeners know. That's 190 kilos. That means he's north of 400 pounds. For the front squat, and then you're building up your four rep max. You said you're in the 150s or 160s. Yeah, I think I had like 160 kilos on. So that's that's like 350 something, 353, 355 pounds, which is a lot uh-huh. of weight, a lot of weight. So, um, so yeah, we got a really strong dude as our as uh with us today as a guest. Um, but you get this injury. What's going through your head? Like, is it like I'm done? I'm through with the sport, or is it immediately rehabbing? Yeah, um, I mean, I was, like, obviously, as anyone would be, really frustrated at the time. And actually, a funny story about that doing that second workout. So that was more just for me, you know. I was like, I'm going to get this done. And everyone in the room, it's real uncomfortable for them because they, they're like, man, this is sad. He just, you know, got injured. Like, now it's awkward. Should we cheer? Should we whatever? And so... I'm doing the other workout, and at one point I look over, and it looks like a middle school dance. Everyone who was there is standing on the back wall as far away from me as possible. No (laughs) one's talking, and I'm like, this is just so bad for so many reasons, and the funniest part is I'm I'm doing the workout. I'm not getting a good time. I'm doing double unders on one foot. Like, I can't do the dumbbell push press. It's one leg, you know, because I can't bend my knee without, like, immense pain. And I look over and I'm done, and the clock has been reset to zero. So I I don't even know what my time is. 
and I'm not trying to roast anyone on this podcast, but uh, Brett. Brett happened to <laughs> unplug the clock on accident while uh. I was going, and he he did it from a like a kind heart. He was trying to like clean things up, so like I wouldn't have to worry about it. And he accidentally unplugged the clock, so I was so pissed. I went outside. I was like, I could flip a car over right now. I'm so mad. <laughs> and we laugh about it now, but but no, my thoughts right right after were like, I want to get back after it and. Uh, so I went and um, assessed. I, I since I knew what the injury was, I went right to physical therapy and had them hook me up. It was a, a bit of a time off from doing like lower body squatting and stuff. But I think by um, early summer or, or mid summer, I was like kind of back to full speed with the knee and and things were going good. So we bounced back from that one um, pretty quick. Yeah, and then a year later, it's uh, twenty twenty two quarterfinals. You're right back where you were. Um, I remember following you for that and you had a very good quarterfinal season. Um, but unfortunately came up just shy of making that semi cut. Yeah. I, I seem to have really bad luck when it comes to quarterfinals and something wrong with my body. Uh, I remember coming in Friday night and we had the first two workouts I did and felt pretty good. And then I woke up the next morning with like 103 fever and was just like rocked, you know, um, and I came down to Kilo 2 to do the rope climb workout. <laughs> I, I, I contemplated so not even coming. So I, I remember judging you, and I knew something was wrong because I know how good of a runner you are. And um, just so people get an understanding of how fast you are, too, uh, what's your best 5K time? Um, probably around 18 minutes. I think I ran one indoors last year. That was like just a six minute flat average for all, all three, 3.1 or whatever it is. Or what you did so. your big seven in. Oh, what did I do the Bix in? I think I. Told, I, I don't even remember. I think I at my average pace for the Bix was like 6.35 or something like that. Yeah, the Bix is a seven-mile road race through uh, Davenport up and down hills, which that's an incredible pace to hold. Uh, but, yeah, going back to point three of quarters last year and watching you do those shuttle runs, <laughs> that <laughs> was hurting. your face was like beet red. And <laughs> I, I think, you, st- you like you said, you had a fever. Like you were cold because you did that workout in like sweatpants. Yeah, and, I was and, like, shivering when I got there. <laughs> I remember I came in with, like when you were finishing. And I was like, "You don't look so good." <laughs> you still had a you still had a, a good score. It wasn't a great score for you because that was one like I think you really could have crushed. Yeah, um, I redid it when I was when I was healthy, like a week later, and I beat my time by like two and a half minutes or something. Like, just crushed it. I totally believe that. Um, and yeah. then didn't you redo the snatch oh, row one? That's kind you? of a fun. Yeah, that's kind of a fun story. So by Sunday, I was feeling a little bit better than I did on Saturday. Like the fever had gone away, but I mean, I barely ate all day and uh, was feeling really weak. Like I can power snatch 185, no problem. And that was in the workout and I was missing it in warm ups. Like I couldn't power snatch it because I felt so bad. And so I ended up doing that workout three times. And I, the first time I did it, just like didn't get the job done. Um, so we're like, okay, we better, we better go ahead and redo that. Was getting a better score. Drop the bar, clips fly off the bar, weights come off. So I'm spending time running across the gym, picking up the weights and the clips to put them back on. So ruins my score in round two. And by this point, I'm like dead tired. It's like still sick. And we're like, okay, what should we do? Like, should we just call it and go? And I was like, man, I'm like so fatigued. I don't know if I can do that again and get a better score. And so we end up going to get breakfast I think I had like two beers at breakfast because I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm done, man. Like, like let let's just see what where it shakes out. And so, because you were looking at the leaderboard at this point, and and it was close. It was close because the cut is 120 people uh, for the entire 
uh, continent of North America. I mean, we're talking Mexico, United States, and Canada, and you got to be in the top 120 to qualify. And you were, and you were sitting right on that cut line of like 123, 124. But the scores aren't aren't verified until the following Wednesday. So you wanted to give yourself the best chances. Why I know guys like Luke and me were giving you calls. Yeah, hey, yeah. Which, one more time. Yeah, which I I, I appreciate because I was I was already in the back of my mind because they were talking about it too. Like I was with um, Dalton and, uh, and Brian. They were with me the whole way, and uh, that whole day I had like a lot of support, like a lot of people coming, uh, like some kilo train people from Cedar Rapids were there, and so we're all at breakfast and um, having a couple drinks. I'm just sitting there and. You know, we go back to my place and we were, the plan was just to hang out at my house and like have a couple beers and play cards and wait for the leaderboard to kind of update and, you know, kind of see what happens. And we're sitting there and the scores aren't due till like, I don't remember when, two like or two? something like that, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I think it's noon at the time. And, you know, they're like, what, what are we doing, Brandon? Are we going to go again? And I'm like, I don't know. And then my phone rings. And every time my phone rings and it says Austin Nelkoff, I'm always like, like son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, I should never answer this. This is never going to be a good call. <laughs> and so I answer it. And Austin is like, dude, you got to go redo it. And he's like, he tells me, he goes, I don't really care what you do. Rip some cocaine and get in there and get the job done. And I'm like, Oh God, I know I have to. So I go back into the into the living room and everyone's like just staring at me like, what was that? I'm like, it was Austin. And they're like, what do he say? I'm like, I gotta go redo it again. They're like, are you? I'm like, I don't know. And Dalton goes, okay, we'll give ourselves till 1230. And by 1230, <laughs> we have to have a decision made. And so I'm just sitting there like looking at the ground and like no one's talking. And I went, we're going to the gym. Yes. And everyone just gets up like clockwork and like gets in their own cars and is like flying to the gym and they're like taping the lines for me and like getting everything ready. I mean, it was like a well-oiled machine, which was really cool of them to do. But Dalton has some footage of this, like, cause he was kind of recording everything. Like if you get into Dalton's phone, you could maybe make a documentary of my CrossFit <laughs> career, like from like, you know, years ago, but it was kind of a cool clip and we got there and, uh, ended up just, Ripping it and it got a pretty good time. Was closer to the time we were shooting for around like three minutes. And uh, actually, I, I was doing the power snatches and, and somehow I was just hammering them and I missed the 10th rep. And Dalton was like, Oh no, he's gonna fail now. And I somehow missed the 10th and immediately picked it back up and hit it again. And I ended up getting a good time, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough to qualify. We missed by like, I mean, like, I think it was like five spots or less. Right? Yeah, it was so a real bummer because uh. I mean, just hearing you, I mean, just seeing the text message you sent me, like, hey, I went in and did it again. I was so jacked. And I remember, you know, messaging Luke about that. And we were freaking amped and, you know, really pulling for you. But um, uh, even though, you know, there's some good with the bad, you know, so the bad was you missed qualifying as an individual. Um, you know, what also is kind of crappy is when you hear about, you know, some of the, you know, shitty scoreboard problems that there mm -hmm. were with within the, the rest of the leaderboard. But um, the good, the good news was, is you got to, uh, join our team last season when, uh, semifinals came around. So, um, long story short, when we were getting ready for semifinals, uh, Ben ran into a back injury, uh, a week, 10 days out from semifinals. We were doing a warm workout and Ben just felt his back kind of tighten up and it wasn't getting better in the next couple of days. And then. Me and Deidre were kind of talking about what do we do, who do we call, and then 
we we thought about you. We we're like, all right, we can call Brandon. Brandon, <laughs> I think is actually our our alternate. Yeah, yeah. It's written down as our alternate. So, what do you remember about that deeds? Um, I mean, I think I just remember everyone was kind of like just kind of looking around. Everyone was nervous, and then I remember you saying you called Brandon. And Brandon, what were you doing? You were working out that whole time, right? You weren't drinking beer. No, actually, this is this is another funny story. When that phone rang and it said Austin Edelkoff, and I was like, "Oh my God, what's this?" Um, I I think if I remember correctly, I was driving to Decora to go hit some breweries. Because um, in my head, I was like, "Okay, quarterfinals, like didn't make it. My season's over." And not that I wasn't, like, still training and stuff like that, but, um, you know, I was a little looser on the nutrition and, like, that stuff. So we are we're in the car. I was the driver, and phone rings. Again, I'm with Dalton. Surprise. And uh, it says Austin. He goes, "Is that what's Austin calling you about? I was like, I don't know. And so I answer the phone, and he tells me the news, and I'm just, like, hanging on the phone. I go, all right, well, I guess I'm not drinking today. <laughs> and I go, in fact, when we get there, I might go for a run. <laughs> and so... We went up there, and I'm just stressing about that the whole time we're up in Decora. And uh, but I was excited about the phone call and the opportunity to, to join the team. So we we dialed it back in right after. But it was kind of funny because I felt like afterwards everyone was like, "Oh, are you like gonna get back into training now?" And I was like, "Well, I never stopped training. Like you guys are acting like I, you know, I haven't been to the gym in two months. <laughs> You're just starting your off season." I remember. You know? um... Well, we had that like one worm practice before we went to semifinals, and we were all trying to sync up like. And it was with, only one. Yeah, with like our handstand pushups and chest of bars and stuff like that, Rough and day. we were gonna do that. Um, or did I don't know if we did it. We were talking about the thruster rope climb one. Mm-hmm. How you just did it, and you're like, yeah, my quads oh. are blown up. <laughs> well, well, that's because I didn't really tell a lot of people that I had hurt my knee again, and uh, like during quarterfinals in that pistol workout, and I had like tweaked my knee, and it was similar to the quad tendon injury. So I had been kind of laying off the squatting, and then when Austin was like, "All right, you're gonna get on the team," and like you gotta run through these workouts, and I'm like, I haven't done thrusters or squatting in maybe like over a month, and I just grip and rip like some 135 <laughs> thrusters. I was like, I can't even walk today. Like well, it's bad. I remember when you texted me. So just so people have an idea on the timeline here, uh, quarterfinals they they went down like the it was like the first week of in April. April. Yeah. yeah, first or second week, and then and then. Semifinals is taking place. The semifinal that we qualified to at the MAC was the end of May. And so there was about a month and two week gap, you know, like six weeks. So Brandon had finished up his quarterfinal, uh, his quarterfinal run. And then he, you know, kind of was still training, like he said, but, you know, starting to enjoy life. So basically, like five weeks go by where Brandon's like in this off season mode, you know, still working out, but he gets the phone call. And then, you know, he gets back in. I remember when you sent me a text message, um, you were like, hey, I did five by five back squat last week. Legs are wrecked, but I'm good to go now. Yeah, I'm like, I'm ready. They're, they're fine now. I just needed one, one session and we're good. And they were, you know, we, you were, you were, the time you told me for that thruster uh, legless, I was like, oh, that's damn good. That's right where me and Ben were uh, pinned on that workout. Um, but yeah, that, the first team, the only team practice we had, we just had to practice the workouts that the Mac released. And when we were going through the, Oh, it was the worm clean and jerk, chest to bar, and wall ball workout. We just couldn't quite sync up the chest yeah. to bars. The worm was great. Worm was like, great. The worm was wonderful, which is always like an important part of the team thing. So that was nice that that picked up immediately. Um, but yeah, I think we were all just kind of like after that practice, we're like, 
All right, let's go to Knoxville. Here we like, go. Man, I hope I can do synchro chest bars when we get there because I just yeah. did two hundred today, and, and they weren't all great. <laughs> yeah, it started with it started with deeds. Yeah. Um, deeds is like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with my chest bars today, and it's like, okay, no big deal. And then and then me and Brandon try to sing up some. Brandon was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on yeah. with mine. I think I'm watching Deidre now. I'm freaking out. <laughs> and then it just was kind of a ripple effect to me and Allie, and before. We, so then we started, okay, we're going to figure this out. And like you guys said, we ended up doing like 200 chest bars yeah. a week before semifinals. So, yeah, the biceps were a little sore that next day. Um, but, yeah, then we, we got to pack up and we got to go. So you and me had some of the early driving duties down mm-hmm. in Knoxville, I remember. And then um, just kind of looking at at that, Brandon, we'll just kind of go through your semifinal experience. So what was your what was your favorite event at semifinals last year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of my favorite moments was, uh, I was in the handstand pushup and the bar muscle up one mm. towards the end. Our last workout. Yeah. It was the last one. Yeah. Um, when we kind of knew what we needed to do going into that to like, to make the spot. And I remember we had, we had come off the bar, Allie and I did, and we, I'd look back at you guys and I saw you were about to finish your handstands, and I looked at Allie, I was like, all right, we got to, like, finish this set. And I was looking around the floor, and I'm like, oh, we're, like, we're really going to do this. You know, I'm like, we got to go. And it was just a cool moment to see where I'm like, we're doing what we need to do. And then we ran to the worm and, like, jumped on the worm and finished, and everything ended up shaking out in our favor. So I think that was probably my one of the favorite moments from the workouts themselves. Um, Max Snatch was cool. Uh, I was worried I was going to miss 185 because I was about <laughs> the most nervous I think I've ever been to do a snatch in my life. And I was like, boy, that's going to be embarrassing. But we ended up hitting some good numbers that day. So Yeah, your uh, your snatches all looked perfect. Um, even like when we got to those final bars, like I somehow got lucky and uh, pulled off a 275. But when you went for that attempt, your lift looked a lot better than mine did. Um, it just fell forward on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, no, yeah, you ripped that ladder and got through 265, which was awesome. And, uh, and then, yeah, we just kind of gelled the rest of the weekend, you know, uh, me and Deeds talked about this a little bit two episodes ago, how we had Malcat at the house. <laughs> yep, yep. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was just, um, overall a good experience. And then didn't you, your tennis girls were playing state, right? During yeah, that yeah. So this was another thing. So <laughs> Like uh, a huge dilemma. Like Brandon the night before is like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. Well, okay. So I have like 55 jobs, right? <laughs> and I mean, my main job is being the, the tennis pro at the country club. But I also uh, was a high school coach. I just uh, resigned from that this year. So I had six years with them. But I, I coached the Washington High School girls team. And we have a pretty good team. We finished in third in state last year and I had individual state with my girls and uh, I had two they were the state doubles champions that I missed um so I was supposed to be back in Des Moines coaching them through the state finals and uh I had to pull the plug on that for a selfish reasons and go with the team <laughs> but it, was for worth my, it. it was worth it for my own athletic career and so we sent the assistant coach with them but uh yeah, it was hard to, to be texting them and getting the updates and trying to, like, coach them over the phone while we're trying to compete. But, uh, yeah, just just a lot going on at the same time there. I remember that being such an important part of getting Brandon to compete was, yeah. shit, he's got to coach tennis state championships. we got to really talk him into this one because <laughs> you were actually our only option now that I think about, like, where we were in the season with Well, I think that's alternate. it, yeah. Like, yeah. you could only pull from the three guys and three girls you had listed there. Right. 
So we were like, you know, just begging like little puppies to Brandon. Brandon, yeah. you got to come with us, yeah. you know. Can we, you get we, the day we, off like of you're work? You're going to ruin all of our lives if you don't come. So. <laughs> yeah, I, and I was trying to make some sacrifices and work with my boss. And uh, I remember I was supposed to work the day after semifinals, which is why I got a flight home. And then I missed my flight. Then, yeah. And you guys beat me back to <laughs> Iowa. And I ended up missing work. So didn't. It all, I still have my job, so whatever. Oh, man, yes. Um, also, one of the other things, because before semifinals, like, the four of us hadn't really been around each other a ton. So, how much coffee do you drink every single day? Uh, just one cup in the morning for the most part. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, like, d- depends. Like, I'll, I'll get out, I'll have a cup of coffee. If I'm feeling really, really tired in the middle of the day, I'll have some more. Like, maybe before I work out, I'll have, like, another cup of coffee. But okay. it's not as much as you might be led to believe. I know yeah. at the house I was ripping some electric. <laughs> what buzz. we took away from semis was Brandon likes to take a lot of showers and drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, because I sweat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and wear jorts. <laughs> yeah, and the jorts. And the jorts. Yeah. But no, I mean semifinals are different. You gotta be amped up. So I was I was definitely getting my coffee in. And you got on the creatine train. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, Austin was hooking me up with a little creatine. I mean I don't use it a lot, but during that I was uh, anything that can help, right? Yeah, this uh, this past season, I definitely felt like a father figure to to you guys. You and Allie are like, oh, creatine, salt, you know, mm-hmm. electrolytes. Like, yeah, you guys, this stuff is important. <laughs> Gatorade powder, really? It's like, yeah, we're gonna salt, Gatorade powder, creatine after every event. We need to refuel. This is important. And so, yeah, I just uh, yeah, definitely helped to have your expertise and experience there. Yeah, it was. So, the rest of us three were like chickens with their head yeah I'm, I'm usually pretty good about my electrolytes i like the liquid iv and like i get my gatorade the carbs in after the workout but i i just i don't do a lot of supplements so but i i know they can help so it was nice to have austin like eat this take that mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh most important part me and Allie, me and Allie, of course are the ones that get drug tested yep. um which is super surprising because you know obviously looking out if you're to look at our team across the board me and Allie are the, the skinnier of the two of the four athletes. And, you know, Deidre's out there snatching, you know, 195, 200 pounds. And Brandon out there definitely look, you know, looks a lot bigger than I do on the floor. But somehow we get picked. Well, they, saw the, they saw that little guy in there like, he just snatched 275. <laughs> Test that, man. Yeah. That's exactly probably what happened. And, and uh, but no, uh, obviously we're, we're a clean team and, uh, you know, take a lot of pride into that. Um, but, uh, yeah, going back, um, I remember you were on the plane. We had to drive you to the airport <laughs> so right early. at like four in the morning. Yeah, to, to get you for on you your to flight. miss your flight. Yeah, that was brutal. That was not good. Yeah, the but it didn't matter because we had uh, locked up our spot for the games and and uh, oh, so we get back from from Knoxville and. Is there anything else we want to talk about from from semifinals? Any other um, memorable moments? I do have a very memorable moment that no one else saw. Thankfully, it was not captured on camera. Box. Yeah, we were doing that one workout, which is maybe the worst workout I've ever done in my life. The rowing, oh yeah, that, with the dumbbell squats, disaster workout. Yeah, yeah, where Austin had his whole playbook on his arm, <laughs> and I I think that could be the most messed up I've ever been in the middle of a workout was doing that because I'm like. Got those 60-pound dumbbells that feel like 120 pounds in each hand. And 
I, I remember just like sucking wind and Deidre, I think she said she looked at me and was like, are you okay? And because I was, <laughs> was. I was, I've never seen him look like that. Like I was not okay. And I remember running down the floor for one of my, my switches. I jumped over to the box and I caught it with my foot and just ate it, <laughs> fell over the box. And I was like, man, Rolled. I really hope that's not on the broadcast. <laughs> she was brilliant. I remember cause we had to like tag out. And so I was waiting for the tag on the other side of the boxes. And I see him, he's like doing Austin's like zombie run kind of thing. Face is like gone. And I was like, Glazed. holy shit. I was like, I hope he's okay. I was like, he's on my team. We need him. Like, and then just trips over the box and his barrel rolling. And I was like, I think I have to wait for him to hit my hand. <laughs> oh, shit. And this I, I lady there, is like, are it. you okay? And I was like, whoa. I definitely remember asking a lot of you two on those 60-pound dumbbells just because you guys can handle those. Real Well, I shouldn't have asked you to do those <laughs> deals in the first place, but just because you could, I was like, okay, I'm going to make life a little easier on me and Brandon, preferably me, because I made Brandon do so many more dumbbells, squats, snatches. It really wasn't fair, but you you were cool with it, and I knew you could handle it. So Just barely. I really appreciate that. That was a, a very important part to to us uh, performing well in that workout. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of cool things that happened at semifinals. We were battling wasps in the house for a little while, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. We had a wasp problem. We were watching Stranger Things. What else did we watch? Watch like... John Wayne Gacy. John mm -hmm. Wayne Gacy documentary. It was a cool house. Mm -hmm. All good. the food was good. Shout yeah, out to Meredith shout out for to Mer yep. hooking it up. Our chef. Coach, chef, transport extraordinaire. Um yeah, so semis was awesome. Um, and then, you know, we were starting to get ready for the games, have our first practice. And I remember we did a brutal workout with vests and the worm. And mm -hmm. it was just like, okay, we really started the, you know, the shitstorm training early. And then, and then Brandon had to get hurt. Yeah, it was uh, something about the 50 hours of tennis a week, the games training, and that knee tweet that I had had in quarterfinals that never really went away since we just decided to hammer it with those 60-pound dumbbells. <laughs> um, but yeah, that just kind of caught up with me, and my, my knee got worse and worse as the summer went, and... Like, I remember coming down to train and Austin going, you're just getting worse as the summer goes on. Like, you need to figure it out. And I was like, Austin, I can't recover. I had 13 tennis lessons yesterday. Like, it's this is just my life, you know? Yep. And uh, so I was just getting beat to shit all summer between work and, and CrossFit. And, and unfortunately, it got to the point where I couldn't air squat without significant pain. And... Uh, Kind of held me back from going to the games because you would assume that at the games you'd have to squat. So it was an assumption. Yeah, yeah it was an assumption. But you know, it, like this year, we didn't really have to squat yeah, at all, which was a bit of a curveball. Yeah, but we really didn't. We yeah, like, I, I, I front yeah, squatted. We front, we front squatted. So he was just jerk. You would have done the jerk. Would if, that have felt fine? No, no. Actually, <laughs> jerk, actually, actually, jerk was probably worse than squatting. Yeah. Just slamming that knee down there. I bet you could still run a fast two miles though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, I could run all summer because you don't have to bend your knee that far. Mm -hmm. And so I could adjust the, the stride. And so that's basically all I did all summer was, like, do pressing and run. Mm -hmm. And then and try to maybe be ready for the games if if needed. But luckily, uh, Ben's back. Yeah, Ben was able to recover. Enough to, yeah. to compete, right? So yeah. he was able to get back in there. Yeah, it was uh, definitely, you know, we were a little uncertain on if we were going to even be able to go to semifinals. And then we were uncertain if we were going to be able to even go to the games. And... 
We just kind of. I was like, we're going. We're going. Someone's going to be going. on the team and be like, injured. Just That's fine. Duct tape the team together <laughs> and, and get them there. But uh, no, we we made it happen. We actually, you know, we had a good uh, a good experience in the games too, and and you know we got you know pretty fortunate with uh, with the programming with you know regards to you know Ben's back being held up. It wasn't too uh, back loaded of a mm-hmm. of a of a work a weekend. So you know that was good for Ben, and 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 Ben you know had a great had a great weekend too. So um, you know we were really lucky and fortunate that Ben was able to get healthy in time and and get our season finished up. Um, on a positive note, you know, to, to get through the games and, and rip it. Um, so yeah, a few other questions here. Um, let's see, we got, we got a couple on the Instagram and then we get through. So going back to, you know, just kind of getting a feel for what, what do you do for, for living your tennis pro full time now with, with Cedar Rapids country club? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my daily life is, uh, wake up and I teach kind of all ages how to play tennis. I run some clinics, do a lot of private lessons. Uh, in the winters, I actually do independent contracting through co-college because the country club doesn't have indoor courts, which makes the winters a little bit lighter because there's not really a lot of like, office work to do and I don't have to do like maintenance there and things like that. So the summers are, are bad because not only are you there teaching, you're there at the desk, you're there for the leagues, there's events all summer. If someone has a problem, like you have to go there and fix it. So that becomes um, a pretty all-consuming job. Um, the winter, so like right now I'm at Co College, and I actually end up um, being an assistant coach as a volunteer for the women's team at Co this year, uh, which is added to the busy schedule. But I just love to be out there coaching tennis, and I'm coaching a few classes at the gym up now, um, up in Cedar Rapids now. So uh, I just love that, and it's it's hard to balance. I think. Uh, my love for coaching with my love for competing and, and mm-hmm. doing all that. But yeah, the daily life is just a lot of on the court right now and just teaching tennis lessons and ends up being weird with the schedule because, you know, you'll, I'll teach like eight to noon and then have an hour and a half break and then I'll have one lesson then I'll have a two hour break and I'll have one lesson and then I'll teach all night. So getting to the gym in a, which is 15 to 20 minutes away from where I live and like having time to warm up and train sometimes is not really going to work if I only have an hour or if I have an hour and a half break. So that's why my, sorry, I was telling DJ, I'm like, yeah, 3 a.m. I can get there for three hours. So it's fine. Is that something that you pretty much have to leave in the hands of your clients when it comes to scheduling? Like they sign up for a time and you just meet them or will you be able to have more control this year, you think? Um, I mean, you're always in control and I can always tell people no, which is one of my greatest weaknesses. I'm very bad at telling people no. Um, otherwise, I would not have went to semifinals with you guys. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You told uh, us no for the games. Well, that one was more my knee telling me no. I, I was telling myself yes the whole way. But uh, yeah, I, I get to pick the schedule for the most part. But, you know, if you want to be a good coach, you have to appease the clientele. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more you coach, the more money you make also. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to set my schedule for the most part where everything's, like, blocked. And I'm on the court for, like, five in a row. And then, like, there's a big break and then a few more in a row. But sometimes people's schedules just work out in the way where it's like, hey, I can only do it at this weird time. And you're like, okay. And, you know, especially if you, like, like have a good client. I'm like, I'll make time for you. Um, and it gets weird at Co because we share the courts with their tennis teams. So um, when their practice starts, I can't coach from two to six, and so I work in the mornings and I get in at six p.m. and I usually work till you know like nine ten at night. And mm. so that's where I can train from two to six, which is usually good. But then my work life kind of sucks and my social life sucks because I'm there all night and then on weekends. So 
Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot to balance, but I mean, that's a good thing, you know, you're mm-hmm. getting Brother a lot of it. And you said you still like to mix it up with some tennis events too, like your self-playing, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually in the summers, um, just because I'm on court so much, I remember two summers ago, I didn't go to the gym once. I didn't have time. I just would go for a run when I got, probably how I got good at running was all I do is <laughs> run at work and then I would just go for a run when I got home. Um, but I'm on court so much that I'm playing enough where I feel like my tennis game is back to like a reasonable level where I would go compete. But, you know, in the winters, especially when we're deep into CrossFit season, I'm horrible at tennis. And I mean, in my, my eyes. Mm-hmm. And so I don't compete then. And I got to give myself like a month or two to, to actually go out and hit. It's very different teaching a lesson and like playing tennis full speed. Like I never play full speed with my clients and the high school kids are always like, are you trying? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> like, I don't need to try against you. But, uh, but yeah, it's fun to get out there. And I usually just play like doubles now. I'll grab a buddy and uh, we'll go sign up for a tournament. Or my old coach and I, uh, we like to play the Waterloo Open. And I think we're like three years in a row undefeated at Waterloo Open and doubles. Oh, cool. So that's always just fun to. There's small tournaments. I mean, it's not like you're gonna get a lot of great guys coming into play. It's just for fun. But right. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. Um, so what are some of your favorite things about kilo trained athlete? Um, I think the like social aspect of it's really cool. Like the leaderboard, um, and being able to like communicate with other athletes. I know for me, one thing that is motivating is knowing that, you know, there's other people that are showing up there every day. And even like, if you don't want to, they're doing it. So I'm like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta do that. And, and being a part of like the team, like with kilo helps that aspect a lot too you know like i know deidre and Allie and austin are training so i need to train too but with the kilo train thing i think it might when i was doing other programming you know most of the members at my gym aren't like trying to go to the games right so if i go in i look at the leaderboard i'm like oh i you know there's no one really pushing me and so i wouldn't care too much about my score and stuff and now when i log in there's a bunch of freaks on the leaderboard now Mm -hmm. and i'm like we're all talking smack to each other you know in a good way and uh it just kind of fires you up and it's fun to like comment on people's stuff you know one of my worst feelings in the world is when i get a notification on sugar water and it's deidre that says "Ooh, (laughs) maybe next time and she's beating you by like 12 seconds on something and then i'm about to drive back to the gym and do it again um so i be honest I and think, take advantage when I'm winning. Yeah, yeah. No, you do a great job at it. Thank but you. I think I think that part, like the Facebook group's really fun to, to post in and comment and stuff. So that's it's really cool just being a part of the community. Absolutely. Um, so what are some of your goals for the upcoming season? Not get injured. It's probably number one. And so How is the knee right now? The knee's like – it's, it's getting back there. I'd say – it's like at ninety five percent. So that's really that's high. Good. Yeah. I wouldn't say my knees are even at ninety five percent. Like I haven't been doing as much squatting volume as was on the program. We were doing you know like eight sets and uh, twice a week. So I was cutting that bet like by half. Um, and I'm still I'm focusing a lot more right now in terms of mobility in my hip, which is really the cause of my knee troubles. Um, and then doing a lot, like more single leg stuff and to even out because I had a Horrible problem where I think I spent the entire semifinals and games training only squatting with my left leg. And so it doubled the size of my right. And so now I'm trying to just really like get back to having a good balanced squat. And, uh, you know, so I haven't been pushing. I think I hit a heavy single um, this week 
because the rogue invitational workout was up to like 405 for the squat. Oh, yeah. So I think I think I squatted 400 just to see what it would feel like. And it, it didn't feel too bad. Um, Good. And so I'm trying to get back up and, and start to push those numbers again. But I haven't really like tested it with a full cycle of squatting yet. And this time of the year isn't the time you need to be, you know, up yeah. north of mm-hmm. 95% anyway. Just keep it under there. Keep it healthy like you're doing. So I think that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your other 2023 goals? Stay healthy? And stay, yeah, stay healthy. Um get back to competing with you guys um hopefully we can make a good run through the open quarters semis and beyond um yeah it should be a fun season with you know another new format i mean not a ton of changes but what they did this year is they uh reformatted the semifinal layout and so last year there were there were four semifinals in north america and this year there are only two but what they did basically is they essentially combined the the they uh took the four turned it into two but instead of only five spots they're gonna have at least 10 is what it looks like Mm -hmm. um out of the two semifinals in north america but um yeah we know that we're gonna be on the west side um so it'll be interesting to see where where that event is this year hopefully Mm -hmm. someplace close i'm guessing it'll be granite games i'm guessing they'll do mac and granite games as the semi-final places is yeah, my that, guess yeah that would make sense you would i don't know i hope it's like that because that'd be nice to yeah, for better for us. Us. not yeah. a 12-hour drive <laughs> right yeah, yeah we hopefully got, it's not in california if, uh, <laughs> yeah. if our semi-finals games run this year is uh what minneapolis and madison i mean those are great. it's pretty a nice five hour and a three hour drive compared to other teams having to fly across the world like yeah well we got it pretty good so we have to really try to make the most of it this year um, all right, cool, Brandon. Well, we have some other questions here. We'll wrap up with, let's see, somebody wants to know what your thumb tape technique is. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. So as the people who've trained with me know, I do have the world's smallest hands. Uh, <laughs> usually like when Deidre's like, put your hand up next to mine and hers is probably, her thumbs are probably longer than mine. So hook grip for me is a bit of a challenge sometimes. So I've got the secret Chinese technique of uh, extending the thumb tape out <laughs> past the thumb. So when I hook grip, I get like half of my pointer finger onto my thumb (laughs) but with the extension of the tape i can get like my middle finger on the tape and then that way which you know i don't think that's legal in the sport of weightlifting but no one said anything to me in crossfit so far so sure that's not a rule so you're good to go yeah yeah you got to get the rogue super sticky goat tape and then extend it out a little past really helps on the snatches now on the cleans i don't need it i don't need it extended on snatches definitely right on a lot to learn there all right, and the other question we have is, how did Karen go against <laughs> this bum named Brett at the gym you go to? I heard Brett won. Yeah, is- that's that's a controversial topic for sure. Uh, so Brett and I, to be totally honest, have never done Karen against each other. <laughs> now, years ago, we did do the open workout. Remind everybody what Karen is again. Oh, so yeah, Karen does 150 wall balls for time with the 20. Um, we've never exclusively done Karen, but... That open workout from years ago, it might have been the one we just did as an AM wrap. It's like double unders, 150 wall balls, and 30 ring muscle ups. Oh, yeah. um, now, that's what Brett and I did. Oh. And, <laughs> and so we did that workout, and I will say, Brett finished the wall balls before me, but then I beat him by 28 ring muscle ups in the <laughs> workout. So, I mean, you call it how you see it. Maybe he beat me in Karen, maybe I beat him in the actual workout, but uh, he will never let that go to this day. 
take that, Brett, but also take your wins where you can get them, dude. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on this episode. Did you have anything else for, for Brandon before we finish up? No, I think that's it. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll get you back on the show uh, later on down the season, hopefully after we get some success with, I don't know, something this year. Quarters, yeah. open, semis, who knows. For where sure. We'll get another episode with Brandon Hornback. So, all right, everybody. That's uh, That's all for episode 23. We'll see you next time, episode 24. Have a good day.